Hey, you fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name is Gary. My name is Adam. And we're at episode 168. Yes, 168. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't have the colour. Howdy, howdy, do. Whovians. <gasps> Controversy already. Mm. Howdy, do, these fans. <laughs> used to be such a. People used to hate that word. Now it's a bit more accepted, isn't it? A little bit. Who fans used to recoil at yeah. being called a Whovian, but now, not so bad. It's okay. I hope you've all had a cracking week, though. <laughs> and that you've managed to do something, something Doctor Who related. Related. <laughs> One, six, eight. We are here. Coming up in today's epic show. Jam-packed full of news. Mm. A little bit of merch. Very light on merch. It's the time of year. Very surprising. Christmas and all that. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so very light on there. Um, going to announce the winner of our comp, our Christmas competition. And uh, we also got a small update on what's happening with us over Crimbo and stuff. Uh, but before all that jazz, my esteemed colleague <laughs> and co-host, Mr. Geeks, how have you been, buddy? Yes, not bad. It's beginning to feel a little bit like Christmas. <laughs> we're, over, we're over the mark, aren't we? We're, we're in December now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can say that the countdown has begun. I keep seeing things on like Facebook and Twitter as well. Like you know, twenty days till you know Doctor Who's on all this sort of thing. It's started to feel a bit real, isn't it? So, yep. which is good. I just I just got back from town actually, and I picked up the the, the new Radio Times, which has got um, Capaldi on the front. I don't know if you've seen it, the, the latest one. He mm. looks battered. He does. Yeah. He looks. It's a really rough picture. I was thinking, I, I'm not being funny. It's it's a great picture of Capaldi, but I'm not sure I would have gone with that as a cover. Like if you open it up, it's got a great picture of um, Capaldi and Bradley together inside i was thinking now now there's a christmas cover or because it doesn't feel very christmasy this it's just capaldi looking really haggard um (laughs) but anyway yeah i've literally just picked that up so i haven't even had time to flick through it yet but uh yeah looking forward to giving that a read but uh, it's nice to see who on the front cover of the radio times anyway so i'm not not complaining uh i also picked up the new sfx magazine as well because that's got um a a nice christmasy doctor who cover of uh, Mm. you know the doctor the two doctors on the front but uh, again i've literally just got back so i haven't opened it yet so that's pretty cool so yeah it's nice to see a few mags with doctor who on the front indeed bringing it closer yeah. uh, apart from that i haven't been up to much but we have haven't we me and you we had a fantastic weekend up in london didn't we last weekend it's awesome 
Yeah. It was brilliant. I'm still like on a bit of a high about it. It was a mm. brilliant day. It really, really was. Um, I'm sure our listeners know, but for anyone that doesn't, we, we me and Gary headed up to the BFI uh, on London South Bank because they were doing a screening of the new Sharda completed animation feature. Um, and it was a great day, wasn't it, mate? I mean, first of all, the feature itself was really good because we weren't sure whether we were going to get to watch one or two episodes or the, all of it or how it was going to work. Um, little did we know that the new version is basically one long feature. That's right. So there aren't yeah. any cliffhangers. Or so we did actually watch the whole thing uh, right from start to finish. Well, and um, I think we both agreed it was really good. We both really enjoyed it, didn't we? Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Animation flowed well with the live footage. I was quite surprised how well it did. It didn't sort of feel like we were taking out the story at all, actually. Cool. I'm still not sure how I feel about not having any cliffhangers, though. Because um, I, I thought that was specially edited for the BFI. I didn't realise that the actual DVD release is the same. It's it's one long feature. So I'm not sure how I feel about that because, I don't know, I quite like a cliffhanger, <laughs> if you know <laughs> what I mean. But it's 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 still, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't love a cliffhanger? But it's still, I think, the superior version. I mean, for a start, the music score on it um, mm, big, just is so class. much more fitting mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, no offence to... Was it Kef McCulloch did the one on the, right. the VHS? Mm. Yeah, I mean, no offence to him, it was very 80s sounding, and this one feels much more, it's got a very City of Death vibe to the new soundtrack, and it really does fit, I think, much better with that era. Um, and I, I found the music in the original VHS issue quite distracting, actually. Almost made it quite uncomfortable to watch at times. It really took you out. Um, so that was a big plus. This really flows nicely, I think, in the new <laughs> the new version. Um, I think you'll agree with me, though. The highlight was having the exclusive little Tom Baker intro. So they had a little video of Tom on the screen um, introducing Sharda before we watched it. And then another little bit after of him just chatting. And then another little bit later of him doing like a Q&A. And I think the Q&A bit's been put up on the Doctor Who YouTube page, isn't it? it? Yeah. Um, But the other two other little bits that we got were exclusive to the BFI screening, and they were so funny, weren't they? It was just (laughs) Tom basically being so cheeky, just saying, now, I know you'll believe me that I always tell the truth (laughs) and all this sort of thing. And the whole place is just roaring, wasn't it? Just roaring with laughter. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Yeah. And because it was, you know, because obviously Tom wasn't there in person, Mm -hmm. uh, it was really nice to get, that intro clip i thought really nice touch and a great way to start like the screening as well yeah he did a little yeah. bit afterwards as well didn't he yeah i was trying minutes. to remember yeah. trying to remember what it was because i remembered the first bit was just him saying he was going to answer some questions and of course he would tell the truth <laughs> and all that and sort of playing on that joke and i remember him saying he couldn't reveal why the reason he wasn't there because we would never believe him and all that yeah. and then i was trying to think what was the second what was the clip played after because i remember the q a bit very clearly where he asked questions but there was another little bit wasn't there where he just talked and again was being really cheeky and i was like but what was he saying that made us all laugh and it's one of those things where i just would love to see it again but because it was exclusive to that screening it'll probably be put in some vault and never shown again which is such a shame um and it's him sat by the fire it's obviously you know these clips we've been getting of him like on the Doctor Who channel recently, he's obviously filmed it all in front of that fireplace. And so just give you like there, you know, an image to go with, but yeah, I can't remember the second little clip. It was quite short, but I just remember it was so funny and everyone was laughing and, you know, he's just been really cheeky. Was it, was he saying something about being the, 
the funniest doctor again or something because we were saying about how he's like he's putting himself up as the best doctor and <laughs> we were saying imagining yeah. what peter and colin said of it. was he was he playing on that again if i remember rightly yeah i think so he was being a bit cheeky like you said yeah yeah you know he was saying that he was the the, the jolliest or the the, the most uh, the most fun doctor or something like that and mm. yeah I'm, I'm sure he's playing it up I'm oh definitely sure, yeah. yeah it, it was, was really, awesome though mm. yeah. it was such a good event i absolutely loved it i mean there, there were a few cast members there i mean lala ward sent a little message because apparently she's on holiday somewhere so she couldn't be there which is a shame um i think it would have been great to have had her on the panel afterwards mm. don't you yes um we got who do we have so we had mike tucker who does all the effects. Uh, he gave us a bit of a rundown on some of the behind the scenes to do with the special effects and how they used, did he say they used like the original, uh, like the, the same cameras or certainly they, he tried to make everything so authentic when he did the model shots and things for the new version. I think he said they used like old cameras and all the materials that they would have used back then to make the models and everything was very authentic. I think the only thing That's he right. could yeah. use was new light bulbs or something. Um, well, no, so that's they had quite to a... use new light bulb. They they used LEDs in these because that's right. Yeah, back in the day, it was those old uh, incandescent bulbs that were you know prone to blowing up and destroying <laughs> right. lots of power and stuff. So maybe there's a health and safety thing there. I'm not sure, but yeah. Um, but no, he's really he brought in a little TARDIS model as oh, well, didn't he? Beautiful, but, beautiful TARDIS model. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I say small. It wasn't as small. Apparently, the one they used back at the time, he was saying, was about two thirds that size. Mm. So he'd made them all slightly larger to get a bit more detail in. But that was awesome, that little... Oh, I wanted problem. it. Mm. He was Well, I saw him walking out with it, and I was thinking I would love, I would just love to have that. He's like walking out with it under his arm. So we had him, we had um, Marquez, who obviously done the music, talked a bit about the music score. We had um, the actress, I can't think of her name. Yeah, uh, Victoria, who's, who's Victoria... Yeah, Victoria... Victoria Burgoyne. Burgoyne, I think. Yes, that sounds right. He's, yep. he's obviously in Sharda and a couple of other cast members that do like the voice of the ship and that. So that was all very interesting. And then very nice little touch. Um, like a couple of people had got complimentary tickets and they dragged them up on stage. And those people were uh, Frank Skinner and um, Matthew Waterhouse. <laughs> so they dragged them up on stage for a bit of a chat. And I, I got the feeling that it was the kind of a case of, um, come on, you got free tickets. Let's have you up here. Come and come and do something for us. So, you know, they didn't seem like they were <laughs> knew they were going to be up there. So they got them up and um, they were quite entertaining. I mean, Frank's so dry anyway. I really like his sense of humor. Um, I thought he was quite funny. And Matthew seemed like, um, well, he was very excited to be on stage, wasn't he? I don't know if he'd had a couple of drinks, but I he think was. He had. Yes. He was wild. <laughs> he was. Um, he was very happy. He was very happy. <laughs> the best way to yeah. describe him. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. Yeah, and then we saw him wandering around with a a big glass of wine afterwards. He just was yeah. wandering around the building, just with this big smile on his face. But he's he'd obviously had like you know five or six or or 19 or 20 glasses of wine. And the last time we saw him, he was actually wandering out the building down the street with the glass of wine in his hand still. So That's right. Was, uh, He'd been making the most of the green room, I think. <laughs> he was on but form for sure. Yeah, he was definitely. So that was really fun. It was good to have them up. And then uh, mm. talking to drinks, me and, me and you and a few of the other guys uh, that were there um, went for drinks afterwards all wearing our baker scarves it's brilliant actually because we're walking around london and even after we left the event like the pub we went in which was quite a way away from bfi actually there were still people in there all wearing the doctor who scarves and stuff it's like we all it's like london had been invaded by tom baker scarves it was fantastic that's awesome isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I knew oh, that was going to be the case though there's going to be yeah. hundreds of them yeah 
I was going to say, we did, we did fit in a quick visit to FP as well, didn't we? We bought some blind boxes, which was good fun. That was cool. Yeah. 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 Need to have a whiz around FP when you go to London. Yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't been for ages. I know we said the, the stock's been getting a bit barren in there, but, um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was quite good. We, I got a few little bits, didn't we? A couple of blind boxes. Um, I wanted to pick up the Doctor Who Mr. Men figures that you got, but they didn't have any. Which yeah. uh, was good for my wallet, but bad for my... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, always good for the wallet when you come out of FP with half Not of much. what you actually wanted. and Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was cool, though. Yeah, and then we had a walk over to the pub, had a few drinks, and yeah, we just geeked out and just chatted about more Who, and yeah, it was just a really good day, wasn't it? It was, it, it was brilliant. I'll tell you something. Yeah. And anyone that's been, who's had this experience will know what I'm talking about, but there is nothing better than being in a full, in a packed cinema with other Doctor Who fans mm. watching Doctor Who. It's such a good vibe and, and great experience. Yeah. Um, I know there's been a lot of views about this recently on Twitter. Well, for the, probably for the past year or so when they've started doing these exclusive screenings of like the first episode of a series or the Christmas special or something. You know, they do these you know, you'll see them, you know, especially in other countries, it's become popular now to do it at the cinema. And a lot of mm. people have been saying, oh, this is fantastic. And other people have said, oh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, you know, I wouldn't really watch Doctor Who at the cinema. It just doesn't feel right. But I, I've got to say, you know, like I said, packed house, everyone's there. You know, you're all fans together and it's mm. so good. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's just the experience is awesome. Uh, no, to, absolutely, mate. To, to say that. Um, it's funny because when we were watching the first episode of Sharda, I was sat there and um, a couple of the guys that we went along with, you know, they're a lot younger than us. And, you know, uh, particularly one of them, I think his name's Kai, wasn't it? Right. He's quite a young guy. I, I don't know how old he is. Was he 16, would you say? Uh, no, I think he's 18. Oh, was he? Oh, I'm sorry, Kai. You look young. But what I was thinking watching that first episode was, um, I wonder what these guys are making of it because it's quite Ooh. slow. You know, that for, it says that there's a lot of cycling down Cambridge and showing off the locations, but not all happening. And I was thinking, I wonder what, you know, because like, you know, people today, they're so used to television being, you know, quick cuts and, you know, very fast moving. And this is very much a leisurely paced story, isn't it? Especially mm. that first episode. And I kept thinking, I wonder what those guys and, and Morgan, our friend Morgan, who's, I think he's 18, isn't he? 16? I think he's the same age, yeah. Yeah, I think I wonder what these guys are think making of this classic Who story. <laughs> and and um, when we come out, they were just like they just loved it, didn't they? Yes. You know, yeah. They just would. I didn't hear them say anything negative because I thought one of the things I thought if they're going to say anything, it would be well, it was a bit slow in places or something like. But no, they absolutely loved it, and that was that was nice. I, I kind of like the fact that you know that they still enjoyed it because, as I said, I think sometimes people. <laughs> just used to things being a little bit more fast paced. And I wondered how well this would sit, mm. you know, especially watching it. Cause it was, I mean, even I, I mean, it was quite long to watch all, well, for one of a better term, six episodes in one mm-hmm. go. I mean, it was quite a long, you know, session, but uh, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It was such a good day. It was very, very cool. And we won't go into too much detail on Sharda cause we need to review it at some point, but. Oh, true. Yeah. Um, but I think you guys can already tell that. Yeah. We, we loved it. It's a, it was a really, really good, awesome. And yeah, we'll go into details and stuff when we finally get around to review it. But uh, it was just a great day overall. Yeah. 
Mm. And like I said, it's just so cool to come out and actually just chat about stuff afterwards, you know, actually have so rather than coming home and trying to talk to your other half who's really not bothered, but (laughs) pretends to be interested for about two minutes. It's really great, isn't it, to just come out of the the cinema or the screening or whatever and be like, what did you think? Oh, this is brilliant. I love that bit. Oh, it was really cool when that happened. You know, it's just, it's just amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome source. Good stuff. Good, good days. Happy days. It was. Have you been up to anything else, buddy? No, not at all. No, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same as me, mate. Not much. Um, a couple of little uh, update bits, though. We're on Spotify now. Yes, yeah, good. that's cool, isn't it? So, those of you that listen to Spotify all the time as your primary music listening app or service, you can now listen to us and add us into your playlists or your apps, whatever. So you don't have to leave your um your chosen. Uh, app for listening to music and stuff so that's really cool that we're on spotify so another another place to subscribe and and not miss a show mm, yes um and also uh, yeah we've got our competition uh winner to announce so we might as well get that done yes and great stuff as well yes because otherwise <laughs> it's going to get quite late in the show and you'll do that we'll do that typical thing won't we where it's like well anything <laughs> else you want yeah <laughs> well we better do it yeah uh so items that are up for grabs uh, and I must say, uh, I want to say a big thank you to um, uh, to Penguin Random House who sent us a lovely collection of audio books and soundtracks and so on, and BBC Books who sent us a uh, uh, the book and the notebook to give away, and uh, I'm also going to throw in some other Who goodies which are not on the list um, as a little uh, cool little Christmas thanky stuff. So. Thank you, everyone who voted. I'll tell you what, not voted, who entered. We had so many entries on this one. Mm. Um, like Twitter and Facebook, there's loads on there. But the mailbox especially, uh, the the big blue box mail sack is bulging at the seams. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's incredible. I just imagine you sat there with it, pinging notifications. Bing, bing, bing. Who's that? Bing. It literally has been like that, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really cool. So thank you, everybody um, who went to the competition. It's so cool. Uh, but there can be only one winner, mm. can't there? So we're going to fire up the old uh, Excel sheet and I'm going to run my little randomizer, uh, little whatever it's called in Excel, macro or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyways. We're going high tech now, so let's do it. <laughs> it's nearly done, nearly done, nearly done. <laughs> it has calculated. Oh, that random. sound effect has been so worth the wait. Oh. It's exactly what I would have imagined. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it has calculated, and when it spat out in its own little cell there, I can see the winner's name. Are you ready? Are you sure? Yes. Yes, I'm ready. The winner is Jake Bamford Elsden. Wow. Cool name. Yeah. (laughs) Cool name, Jake. Um, Yeah, Jake, uh, his Twitter, he entered, entered on Twitter, apparently, and his Twitter name is Jake Bam Els. So congrats, Jake. You are our winner of the 2017 Crimbo Comp. And we'll be in touch with you. Uh, we'll fire you um, a direct message over on Twitter and get your deets and get that over to you in time for Crimbo. Uh, so well done. Nice one, Jake. 
thank you everybody, like I said, who entered. It was a very, very um, large entry pool, this one, which is why our little randomizer took a long time there. The old retro switches and buttons were going mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I genuinely did love that. I love the sound. I did love that. The sound of it. It's brilliant. It's worth it. I've just, actually, I've just checked. Um, Jake doesn't follow me on Twitter, so he can't have the prizes. <laughs> Pick someone else immediately. So I, so I guess you're going to have to have them then. I'll have to have them. I yeah. suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's the competition done. Anyone that's um, that you guys are feeling bummed out, you didn't win, didn't win. Don't worry, because we're going to do another competition early next year, where you'll be able to win a similar uh, selection of who goodies. So um, yeah, don't worry, there'll be another chance. Anyways, shall we get on to the news and and do all that? Yes. You're still cracking up at there. I do. So I'm, I'm, it's funny. The little things amuse me. I just loved that. It's, it's the, it's exactly what I would have chose as well. If that makes sense. Like when you said, "Oh, I've got a little," that's exactly the sort of thing I would have been looking for. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Not that it's a sound effect. It's all real. <laughs> it's just, it's just the sort of thing I would love if I had a. <laughs> I'd love to have it on a loop as people walked in my room or something. My room of all my Doctor Who stuff. Just, that's the sound effect I'd have as she walked in. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'm, I'm glad I've satisfied your. Um, you have. You more than. More than satisfied. Radio Brilliant. jingle. Appetite. <laughs> News. Yeah. First up, those of you that favour the old BBC iPlayer, uh, the BBC are going to be putting out a, well, uh, a quote-unquote boxed set of um, uh, regeneration stories for Doctor Who oh. over the Yuletide season. Uh, so they're going to be playing... Um, uh, this is uh, just modern Doctor Who only, but um, I think, what day is it from? I think it's like the 16th or the 17th of December or something like that. Um, they're going to be playing uh, The Parting of the Ways, uh, The End of Time, uh, The Time of the Doctor. Um, they're also going to say, oh, going to say, they're also going to play uh, The Day of the Doctor. Um, oh, cool. And The Night of the Doctor. So they're basically covering each of the modern Doctors since 2005. Um, and playing their regeneration um, uh, stories. And, yes, yeah, so from the 16th of December, you'll be able to jump on iPlayer online or on whatever device you watch iPlayer on, uh, and you'll be able to have those stories up until, I'm going to say, just after Crimbo, mm. I think. Um, or is it just before the Christmas special? It's either just after Christmas or it's like Christmas Eve it finishes, one of the two. Um, but yeah, so this is quite a, I, I'm quite ex- not excited, but happy about this because it's the first sort of leap that I play are doing into that kind of catch more sort of, um, archived catch up TV, if you like, because anyone that's, mm. that's got sky or Virgin that's really popular on those sets now to have those, um, to, to download an entire box set, you know, an entire series of something. Whereas on iPlayer, it's normally just like proper catch up where it's just stuff that's been out recently or some old 
you know, show that they put on there from time to time. So I'm hoping this will be the first of many Doctor Who sort of box sets that they're going to do. So I'm hoping they're going to do an Eccleston box set and, you know, series four, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so this, this will satisfy your, your, your Who viewing if you're out and about somewhere and you've got your phone or your laptop or whatever it is, got some Wi-Fi and you fancy watching Who, but obviously you haven't got your discs with you. Um, and the BBC store is obviously no more. Uh, you can jump on here and have a little bit of Christmas who, some regeneration. Sorry. If I was watching this in a coffee shop, I'd look pretty strange because you know, I'm bawling my eyes out as I'm watching Eccleston <laughs> regenerate and especially Tenant. That one always kills me the end of time. Mm. So I'll be sitting there streaming, you know, in the middle of uh, Cafe Nero. People think, is he all right? He's getting some mm. bad news there. <laughs> um, but yes, there we go. Boxed Those- sets from my player. That is good news. I think you're right. We, I reckon we will get more of these sort of things because I think now BBC Store um, has, has finished. Uh, they'll be looking to do more of this, won't they? I assume. Hopefully. So, yeah, good news. Yeah. Uh, right, in other news, there has been massive uh, demand for the Doctor Who preview tickets for this year's Christmas special, Twice Upon a Time. So uh, there's going to be a few limited screenings, um, mainly around the north of the UK. Um, and so far there's been almost 35,000 entries into a ballot, um, for this. So that's very cool. Uh, basically, um, yeah, that the ballot has now stopped and they're going to pick the people that get to see these, uh, there's going to be showings in Hartlepool, uh, York, Hull, Newcastle, Salford, um, places like that, Bradford. So yeah, it's quite a, quite a limited sort of area that they've chose to do these, uh, preview screenings. Hmm. Uh, and they're mostly going to be from around about the 14th of December right up to the 22nd of December. Um, interestingly, because obviously we all worry about spoilers when they do these preview screenings, um, the people who get to go to the, get to go to this screening, who, who actually managed to get pulled out of the ballot at random, um, won't get to see the last few moments of the episode. So that I'm, you know, presuming that's Jodie's you know, entrance onto the, the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's going to be kept as a surprise for the Christmas day, uh, screening, uh, that we all get to see. So yeah, it's interesting, but it's still, you'll be get to see the majority of the episode. It's only the last few minutes that are going to be taken out. So great. There's been so many people that want to get to see it, but yeah. Yes. That's awesome. And I just hope that, you know, all the people that do get to, to go and see this at the cinema, that they please keep it, you know, don't, start writing reviews and blog posts about details mm. of scenes and characters and stuff. It would be really nice to, uh, to not have to walk around blindfolded with earplugs in, um, for, for a week or so before we actually get to see it. So, um, you know, but it's really also, cool though. Very, very cool. It is cool. And also those that do manage to win tickets, they'll be able to pose on the BBC red carpet alongside, uh, props, and things from the show, like they're going to have a Daleks there and a TARDIS. So that's pretty cool as well. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. I hope people do keep, I think it's, it's difficult though. I mean, can you imagine if you go and see this, you, you just want to talk about it. I mean, it's really hard not to, um, to do, but, uh, yeah, nice. I'm always glad we'll be out of the country. So we won't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if our friends over at, uh, the who addicts will try and get to the Middlesbrough. Oh, I would have uh, thought so. Yeah. yeah. So good luck. Um, our friends over there, if you've uh, applied for tickets. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it starts at Hartley, Hartlepool uh, and finish off at Bradford. Maybe Amir Khan's there, that one. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, it will be cool. Uh, more news. Let's keep going. So, um, now this is very cool. This is. 
So series 11, they've thrown out the old reel-to-reel analog equipment that they've been using thus far, and they've got some new kit to start filming series 11. Mm. Uh, I don't want to get too techy here because it's probably of no interest to uh, the majority of people, but uh, series 11 is going to have a more filmic look, and that will be accomplished by some new equipment that the BBC um, is is borrowing or stealing from a company called Films at 59. So they've supplied BBC Studios over in Cardiff with the Cook Anamorphic Prime Lenses and the Angino Optimo Anamorphic Zooms uh, that will be used with the Ari Alexa XT and the Alex Mini cameras. So if you know what any of that means, that simply translates into a much more cinematic, more filmic looking uh picture that we'll see on our screen so Mm. something that adam and i have noted that we always mention when we're doing any of the anything from sort of series six onwards i would say um is that they kind of made this leap from making every episode like a mini film where it had a very very big large presence on screen it didn't look like a tv show anymore it looked like a a feature film you know in 45 Mm. minutes um so they've obviously they want to continue that they're not stopping that anytime soon but this will have an upgrade in terms of its sort of visual um uh, look and feel if you like so i think it's a good thing i think it will look slightly different to the capaldi era and obviously the matt smith era um but yes this is good Good. It is good. Yeah, it's quite exciting. It's um, yeah, it's, it's nice to to think it'll have a a slightly new look to it and freshen up, and and more importantly, that Doctor Who's moving with the times rather than, you know, staying where it is. So yeah, that is quite exciting. Indeed. Right, rattle the the money jar, Gary. Where's the swear jar? Let's see if how much money we've got because we I think both of us would want to bid on this. <laughs> Not much by the sounds of it. Okay. Both of us are going to want to bid on this next news item. So. There is an auction up for lunch with the great man himself, Russell T. Davis. Um, and this is all part of uh, Gadio, the UK's um, LGBT radio station, uh, who are basically offering the chance to have lunch with the Doctor Who showrunner. Uh, basically, Ooh. yeah, I don't know what the auction, I'm just having a look now to see what the auction wow. is up to, see if oh. we can afford it. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 1,500 quid. Oh dear. So How long has it got to go? Uh, it finishes, um, well, it would have finished the day before this podcast goes out. So, it's, right. Yeah, the 7th of December. Okay. Well, the lucky person who does win that, that uh, will get to go to lunch with him in uh, Manchester at uh, a restaurant um, and a date of uh, a mutual agreement, it says. I often think with these things, it's, um, you know, like when, when they did one for the dinner with all the doctors and stuff, I think, God, would it be awkward? Because you'd, or would it be, a, you know, like, you know, when you get very tongue-tied meeting, the, you know, your favourite celebrity or whatever, and I always think, God, oh, would it be, you're going to sort of sit there and you can't, your mind goes blank, can't think of anything to say. If there's one person I don't think that would happen with, it's Russell. Because no, he's no. just like so engaging and like i just imagine he would even if you couldn't think of anything to say he would just be so interesting to go to lunch with and just chat with and mm-hmm. and funny and oh, i bet i bet you just whoever wins that is just gonna have such a fantastic 
uh, day with him. I mean, I, I, when I met him at the book signing recently, I only met him for well, a couple of minutes and he, he's just so, he was just so funny. Um, and just exactly how you'd imagine him to be when you see him in interviews and stuff. So yeah, that's, I mean, it's amazing. You know, it's going to be a great, a great prize to, well, I was going to say win, but to win the bid on <laughs> whatever it gets up to. So, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And the location, you if you, you want to enter you'll have to go up to manchester as adam said uh, to a place called australasia which is a very nice restaurant up there apparently mm. and it's for one hour it. so yeah do you imagine they have like a clock ticking next year you know like counting a, down your time like a sand timer like a chess game yeah just one more question russell yeah. no yes they're dragging you out the building russell i yeah. forgot to ask you something <laughs> gonna get a selfie no <laughs> your time's up he's gone yeah i mean i'd be completely useless at these sort of things because i'd just sit there and say so doctor who eh <laughs> that's pretty good wasn't it I'd say so. Tell me what the hell went wrong with Chris Trexton and why didn't he want to return? Tell me what. <laughs> tell me all about it. What was yeah. he happening about? <laughs> I just, of course, he wouldn't be able to shut me up. I'd be like, so what about this? And you know this. And Russell, there was this really cool thing, right? And then what about? And he'd be like, oh god, get me out of here. One of those winners. Yeah, he'd get he'd get the pretend phone call, wouldn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Russell, there's someone on the phone. Oh, hang on, I won't be a minute. Yeah, an uh, hour so later. If, <laughs> so if you want to have a search for that, it's on eBay. Uh, the auction and just do a search for lunch with russell t davis and apparently it's lot number 14 and uh you've yeah so one lucky person hopefully we'll put a selfie on soon yeah <laughs> uh last bit of news well, sort of roughly the last um the broadcast time slots have been announced for twice upon a time mm. uh, so the b they always do this a few weeks out they'll tell you when it's going out, because I think the Radio Times tells you anyway. Uh, so in the UK, obviously it's on BBC One, and it will be at five thirty PM. What do you reckon? Early. What do you reckon? Well, I, I, personally, I, I like it when Doctor Who goes out about seven o'clock myself. When right. I'm nicely stuffed, full of turkey, and had a few sherries, and you know all bloated sat there thinking right here we go <laughs> Five thirty for me personally is a bit early right. um yeah uh, i have to be honest but nowadays i mean you know does it doesn't really matter does it i suppose because people will watch it whenever they want to watch it um look yeah. at it this way at least after five thirty, it'll probably be on the iplayer so you can watch it whenever you want in other words if it had been on at seven you'd have to wait till at least seven o'clock to watch it having been on earlier you know it'll be available earlier so i mean it won't affect us because we won't be in the country but if i was in the country i'd be thinking mm, it's a bit early yeah you true but, yeah. I, but i don't even attempt to watch it on you know uh, at the broadcast time anyway now because of the noise from all the family around me and stuff so i normally watch it later on anyway yeah cool yeah same for us really normally watch it a bit later yeah um, and i think this, i'm not sure if this is still a thing but here in the uk we tend to have christmas dinner a bit earlier on Christmas Day, so we generally have Christmas dinner around sort of two, three o'clock. Um, it's just sort of a thing in the UK, I think. Um, so that's in that respect, it would fall quite nicely because you, you know, slunk into the sofa with mm -hmm. a nice full belly and a a nice drink of whatever and settle down for a bit of who. But yeah, like you said, I don't think it really matters too much because it'll be on. Yeah, everybody will record it on Sky and Virgin anyway, and then you've got mm. iPlayer. So 
Yes, uh, but they've also got the times for everywhere else. So this is really cool for me because I'll be in America um, at Christmas. And if you're in America or Canada, it will be on BBC America or Space in Canada at 9 p.m. on Christmas Ooh. Day. And for our friends down under, it will be on ABC Australia on Boxing Day at 7.30 p.m. What about China? Um, <laughs> it sucks to be you, mate, really. Oh, no. There's just no, no showing. Oh, dear. Don't think so. Uh, no, I'll have to wait till I get back then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just to finish off, um, I think you wanted to mention some of these promo picks that have just been Yeah, launched. unleashed, haven't they, today. Um, got a load of promo picks from the new Christmas special. Um, and uh, they, they look glorious, actually. They really look nice. But there is one thing that we've all picked up on the minute we saw them, every Doc 2 fan. What's going on with the roundels in the presumably the first Doctor's TARDIS? They look like IKEA roundels. Um, they look awful. Um, now... Uh, before before I lose my, you know what? Um, yeah, apparently the actual because I was I'm sure most people were like this. We're like, where's the what? They're not roundels, you know. They look like the thing from the day of the Doctor. Um, but apparently the proper roundels are in it. This is just a, another view of the TARDIS. Apparently, um, you know. Ooh. So I hope that's true. In fact, I know it's true because I remember seeing in the very first trailer um, we had proper white roundels um, behind. Gattis's character. So we, there are roundels in the first Doctor's Tardis. But yeah, personally, mate, I don't know about you, but they, they look dreadful to me. Well, I don't know what this hmm. wall is. I suppose it's supposed to be a substitute for the flat the flat walls that we used to get in the first Doctor, but they don't fit to me. They don't look right. Mm, possibly. They do look very yeah. cheap and, I mean, well. Very Ikea. That, that doesn't make a difference anyway, because the actual roundels were very cheap. You know what I mean? Mm, but they look yeah. beautiful, and they've got in it, you know, you've only got to look in Adventure in Space and Time to see how gorgeous that mm. set can look. And it's very simple, and they've still got all that set. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it's another little, another little thing in the long list of. Basically, you, all these little things that we've seen in the promo pics and the trailers and so on, you can just sort of wrap it up in a little bow mm-hmm. and just put a tag on it that says, Stephen Moffat, if you screw this up I know. <laughs> or you tarnish the First Doctor's vibe in any way, then there's going to be big trouble. Yeah, yeah. But apart from, roundels aside, mate, roundels aside, these promo pictures do look great and I can see the TARDIS clock <laughs> and I can see uh, there's some nice shots of Bill, actually. Um, Bill looking great and stuff. So, the, I mean, the interior, the, the outside of the TARDIS as well in the first Doctor's mm. um, pictures looks really nice. Really um, nice, yeah. So it looks yeah. like, you know, all the other details look good. I mean, the TARDIS shots do look lovely, don't get me wrong. It's just that, yeah, a lot of them have these strange rounders in the background and it just is a bit like the first thing you see is that and you think, what the hell? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah, I'm going to hold judgment because who knows? They might be part of the episode. There might be, could be anything. We don't know, do we? Could could be a reason for it. So That's true. I'll, yeah. I'll hold judgment till then. But they are gl- they're really nice promo pictures. Um, again, really getting me excited to see the episode. So, yeah, Indeedy. it's all good. The thing I like about these is we get to see another location. So instead of the snowy landscape, mm. we see them out in a, uh, like a muddy kind of field. I don't know, is it a bit of a quarry thing going on there? A good old quarry, looks like, yeah. maybe. Um, but we do see them out in some fields and a bit of a you know different scene that we've seen so far. So, But you're right, mate. Roundels aside, it does look very nice. It does, yep. So that's news. 
Uh, actually, before we do merch, we might as well speak about our Christmas uh, breakages and so on, because again, oh, yeah. we will forget, and I was going to do that earlier, so we better do it now. Uh, so this week is the last week that Adam and I will be putting the podcast out together because Adam is off on his travels um, as of when you're off, mate, the 11th or 12th or something. So yeah, Adam is off to China uh, to see in Christmas and all that stuff over there, which is really cool. Uh, So uh, next week it will be just a solo show with me. Um, It'll be a slightly shorter one. I'll just go through the usual news and merch. And um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I might do a bit of a year in review to highlight some of our cool uh, moments throughout the year and a bit of a Q&A possibly. But if you just keep your eyes on on social stuff, I'll, um, I'll stick on there what we're going to do next week. Uh, and then for two weeks after that, so it would normally go out on Friday the 22nd of December and Friday the 29th. There's going to be no podcast for those two weeks because Adam will still be away. I'll be in New York and we're just, yeah, it'll be crazy to try and mm-hmm. to do anything there. So our next show together will be Friday the 5th of January. Wow. Where we'll do our review of Twice Upon a Time. Yeah, and I can't wait for that, I tell you. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about my holiday, but I can't wait to actually get back yeah. and watch it and then review it. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Mm. So just to recap then, this week is our last podcast together. Next week, Friday the 15th, it'll be just me. Following two weeks, no podcast, and then we're back on the 5th of January. Yes, be like the be like the old days, mate, when you were started on just by yourself. Yeah, it's going to be a retro big blue box. Yeah, <laughs> retro box. None of me interrupting you. Yeah, don't get to like it too much, will you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah when you get back, so you ready to record, mate? Uh, I've already done it, mate. So why is he not yeah. answering my calls? <laughs> <laughs> so there we replaced go. Replaced by a robot. <laughs> That's <laughs> why. Been replaced. Good morning. <laughs> Just you and that new Google. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, me and my new robot friend. I love it. That's an update on what's going on with the podcast. Let's land it and do this little piece of merch. Oh, yeah. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish. But it's pretty. It's very pretty. I said, let's land it there. We're not going to land anything with our Dalek friend. Can't be trusted, can he? No, he can't. What's he doing while we're away? You're not, not leaving him in the house on his own, are you? No, he's still outside. He'll wreck the place. No, he'll be having parties. He'll be getting all his Dalek friends round and mutant friends round. And No. Exactly. I'll come home. There'll be out. plungers hanging from the ceiling. There'll be all sorts <laughs> of just metal all over the place. And Oh, yeah, no, he's he's locked outside, mate. He's uh, yeah. What's this he's thrown at us? What's he? What's this? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. So our uh, very often uh, promoted from us, the Robert Harrop figures, um, hmm. have released a special edition Zygon uh, figure in solid pewter. Right, solid English pewter, no less. Um. I'm not sure what to say on this one. He looks um, okay, I suppose. But because it's made of, of pewter, it's very difficult to bring out the detail in his face and so on. So, um, you know, he looks okay. I, mm, I, I won't be ordering this one, to be to be honest with you, mate. It's for 110, uh, 110 pounds. 
I mean, I'm sure mm. he's very good quality. He probably weighs quite a lot and his, you know, the quality will be very good. But, and if Zygons are your thing, if you're a fan of the Zygons, if you're, if you like those dudes, this could be a cool little gift for somebody for Christmas. But yeah, bit of a, bit of an odd one. I mean, it's cool, don't get me wrong, but a bit odd. I've got to say, I mean, I, you know, I love the Robert Harris stuff a lot, but this isn't doing anything for me at all, actually. Um, I think it's probably, I think they've done a couple of these over the years. So maybe it's for people, you know, maybe it's for a select group of people that like to collect these particular limited editions, if you like. Mm. Um, I can't remember the other ones they've done, but I know they've done a few pewter versions of the figures. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with it. It, it looks fine. It's just, it, you know, I don't, I didn't sort of, as soon as it got announced, didn't think, oh, must get one or it, it doesn't really do much for me, I'm afraid. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it looks fine. It's, it's like you said, a bit pricey as well. So 110 pounds, but um, very limited. It's uh, only a hundred pieces being made. So yeah, I can imagine if you've got the rest of the figures in pewter, um, they would look great together. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I can imagine a shelf of them all. Um, and especially as they're so limited and, and, and a bit, so it's something a bit different, if you know what I mean. Um, so in that sense, I quite like it. But yes, I, I'm afraid I won't be ordering this one near. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's all really the the solid English pewter Zygon. There he is. Yes, and um, I don't know about you, mate. If you are thinking of getting some more of these Harrop figures, like me, um, they're doing this great thing at the minute where you, if you sign up to their email address um, called Friends of Harrop, I think you get like. Well, they actually, they've stopped doing it, but they will be doing more. But they, they give you some good discounts um, as well. Yes. Because I, yeah. I, I didn't realize this. I signed in to my account uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and the prices were amazing. I was like, what's happened? I thought I honestly thought they'd got a glitch with their website. I was like, this can't be right. Mm-hmm. There was like a TARDIS on there for like forty nine ninety nine. It's normally 100 quid. And yes. I was like, yeah. is, I was like, is this? is this true? And the, and like the Zygon was reduced to 47 pounds. I was like, what? And then I realized it's just because I'd signed into my account and because I'd signed up to their email, they were doing like 20% off, hmm. um, which is, you know, amazing for these figures. So, uh, yeah, I've had to be a bit restrained. I immediately wanted to order all the ones I haven't got, but, um, <laughs> but, but didn't, but yeah, they've stopped doing the offer at the minute, but it, it will come back on and it's, um, yeah, it's well worth keeping an eye out for because it makes a big difference on the prices of these, you know, gorgeous figures. Yes, and they always do an offer as well. So just head over to robertharrop.com and at the bottom, just above the footer, there's a big section that says newsletter. Pop your email in there. And yes, like Adam said, they normally do offers quite regularly. So They're bound to do in the new year, I should, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Yep. Or even up to Christmas, maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's merch as well. Rattling through, mate. Mm, throw it back in. <laughs> Review times. Back to classic Who. Yeah. And in the spirit of all the hype of the first Doctor at the moment for Twice Upon a Time and all that, I thought we'd do a first Doctor story. So, you're on the edge of your seat, Adam, I can tell. Yes. <laughs> what are we doing this week? Inside the space. Oh, no, I always call it that. No, the, it's the edge of destruction. Something here. Inside the ship. But that's not possible. The doors were open. But where would it hide? In one of us. Something terrible's happening to all of us. There's a strong force at work somewhere which is threatening my ship. 
You sabotaged my ship. Oh, don't be so stupid. I know it. I'm sorry, but you attacked us. How dare you? Can it be possible, then, that this is the end? <laughs> Great trailer, that. Do you know what? I had to find the most exciting trailer I could find for this episode because the mm. clips-wise, it's very... Um, very studio talky based. There isn't really a yeah. lot that you can play that will make you think, oh, wow, that's, you know, must go out and see that. <laughs> mm. So I've tried to find the most action packed fan made trailer. I'll, to, I'll put a link in the show notes to um, the YouTube channel where I got it from. But yes. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so The Edge of Destruction, or Inside the Spaceship, as it's more commonly known as, um, is on the, if anyone's got the box set called The Beginnings. Yeah, which is great kind of, box set. Uh, yep, uh, it's on there. It's a little two-parter from series one. It was first out in 1964, just two episodes. It was written by David Whittaker, and uh, first episode was directed by Richard Martin, and the second one was directed by Frank Cox. And no supporting cast, just our primary cast members: the Doctor, William Hartnell, uh, Susan, Barbara, and Ian. Uh, so, inside spaceship. What do you reckon to this one, mate? Um, it's a, it's a, it's an odd one, isn't it? So a little oddity <laughs> that was sort of thrown in there um, at the last minute. Um, what was the reason for it? Was it because the, the something wasn't ready? Was the script not finished or something with the following story or the sets weren't ready? Or I don't know. There's some reason for it that they suddenly had to um, hastily get a little two-parter written uh, by David Whitaker to, to fill in this gap um, before they could go on to the next serial. And um, so... Yeah, it's an interesting concept because obviously there's no budget for that given, you know, because they're just like, no, 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 we've got a two two episode story to to do, but there's no budget, so it'll have to all be done on sets that we've already got, uh, i.e. the TARDIS. Um, so do something with that. Um, and I think it's an interesting idea, and I and I really like it, the idea that something may have gone to ship or something, yeah, ship, yes, ship, or something may have gone wrong, or you know what I mean. So it's quite interesting. Uh but unfortunately, as much as I enjoy watching it, actually, mainly because of the cast, um, it's always kind of ruined for me by the by the resolution. Because you get some great ideas <laughs> thrown in there during the course of the episode. So Susan, I think it is, uh, thinks that something's got in through the doors, like they shouldn't be open, but they are. So something's got in the TARDIS and it's they're all acting a bit possessed and a bit weird and yeah. you think this is really interesting i like all this um and then there's some strange stuff going on on the scanner um but it just turns out to be a, a springs got got stuck and i i, I whenever I, even you know i've seen this quite a few times actually over the years and uh yeah i watched it again the other night and you know i know exactly what's coming but every time we get to that bit i get slightly annoyed i just think oh god you, you know i know it had to be written really quickly but surely you could have come up with a better thing than a, a jam spring. It's just, it's yeah, it ruins it for me. I'll be honest with you. Cause I quite like it as a, as a strange little two parter. I, I quite like it. Um, but I do think it's one more for the fans because, you know, I, there's not enough story. It, like, you know, you wouldn't say to someone, Oh, if you're going to watch your first doctor story to somebody who's just getting into who watch this one because it's, it's yeah. just, you know, it's, it's more interesting because you, you like the characters that you've got to know, like, you know, uh, Ian and, and Barbara and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a funny one. I quite like it. It's just, yeah, it's just slightly ruined for me by the, 
resolution of it really but as i said it was written i think within two days to as a filler story so um you know that would explain a lot of it i think yeah no i think it's gonna be a short review this one Mm. (laughs) because uh it's really very i mean the plot is very simple it turns out that um the the doctor had left or sorry the the doctor had flicked the fast return switch but it got stuck uh as you said the spring is was was broken underneath the switch and and as a result the the TARDIS has gone all the way back to the beginning of time and as a result of that it's slowly sort of degrading and is about to explode so what it does it instead of like a little you know they don't have a printer on the TARDIS it's quite annoying because it could have just you know those old dot matrix printers like (laughs) yeah it could have just said fast return switch broken fix everything would have been all right but the TARDIS sort of tells them you know that things are wrong via a series of clues and these weird little things um and as you said it turns out just to be a a broken switch um Mm. so i mean you can tell it's filler um yeah i mean david whittaker he wrote the script in just two days um because they wanted it to fit because they wanted it to be a 13 episode series they needed a couple of episodes to slot in you know, because mm. 11, ser- 11 episode series sounds a bit weird. Um, so, yeah, he just knocked this up in a couple of days. I had no money, like you said, onto the TARDIS set and away you go. And it's very weird because it starts off, I, I agree with you, mate, it starts off with this very cool concept like, you know, has something got into the TARDIS? Is there, a, mm. you know, an invisible force that's maybe possessed them or controlling their minds, whatever? Because it does get a little bit creepy, like when Susan, like you know, he threatens to stab them with a pair of scissors and, you know, and there's a bit where yeah, Susan's... Yeah, harsh. Yeah, there's a bit where her hair's all crazy and she's got this really mm. horrible look on her face and you think, is this some sort of paranormal, you know, exorcist kind of story going on here? Um, but yeah, but then it just sort of dilutes very quickly, sort of halfway through the second episode and it's it's hard to like, but it's also difficult to sort of tear it apart too much because of the basis on which it was written you know mm. if this if this was a four-parter that was written as a normal story and it had a supporting cast and everything you'd think wow this is dreadful you know that it, it's all come down to the switch you know but because it's a funny little a weird little two-parter it's yeah it's it's, it's weird it's definitely a weird one and it's funny it's weird because when you know the resolution so you know after you've watched it once and you kind of know what's coming you, certain things don't really make sense do they mm. like why are they all acting possessed and things like that and i don't know certain bits don't really hold up and i mean as i said if you know if david Whittaker had longer to to flesh it out and mm. think about it and write it um he i'm sure he could have improved on it because there is there is some great ideas in there and one of the things i love is this is very early on in doctor who's history so what is this the third story third. Uh, yeah. in terms yeah. of like you know we've had an earthly child and you know the dalek story and then and then this um so it's very early days the doctor and susan are still getting to know barbara and ian or vice versa so it's good because they really play on that like the doctor's actually really sinister in this in some parts mm. which i loved because you know if you put yourself back you know, to 1964 when this show's just started and you're thinking, who is this Dr. Guy? And, you know, you're just, we're getting to know him as a viewer. So when he's like drugging them and putting them to sleep and at one point he's going to throw them off the ship 
and uh, he's really losing it. Um, you know, uh, it makes for really interesting viewing. I mean, that's those are some of the things I really enjoy when I watch this. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, those twists and turns of them not trusting each other and the lengths that the Doctor will go to. And it, you know, really does show his alien side. I was thinking this while watching it, you know, when I, when I say that Hartnell was very underrated as a Doctor, this is a good example because it really shows the alien side yes. of the Doctor, yeah. I think, um, th- this story is in particular because, you know, he's got a compassionate side to him, mm-hmm. but he's also practical. And his whole decision, you know, for throwing them off the ship is based on him piecing together what he thinks are the right answers mm-hmm. and finding a solution, which is they've got to get off the ship. And I knew this would happen and I've known it all along and all this sort of thing. And then realizing he's wrong and and all that sort of stuff. So that for me makes it a very interesting watch. Um, And as I said, I just wish that they'd have had more time to flesh it out, Mm -hmm. tweak a few bits and and find a better resolution. Because I think it would have been a very interesting two-part. Well, it is a very interesting two-part, but it could have been a really good two-part. Whereas it just falls down at 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 a few hurdles, I think. Yeah. There are some things, I mean, I agree with you. Hartnell is very good in it. Considering this Mm -hmm. is the third story, um, Hartnell is very much, you know, he's, yeah, like you said, he he is very much showing that alien side and and that the threat is almost very real, you know. The the the, the possibility that he's going to, you know, throw them out the TARDIS and and all that stuff because you know that that threatening nature that he has sometimes and mm. he is a bit yeah, he is a bit sort of uh well, not sort of crazy scientist, but he is very sort of uh Unnerving. Quite sinister. sinister. Yeah, unnerving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I love. And that, that's one thing, like you said, is really good about Hartnell. He does make that very clear that the Doctor is not human. Mm. You know, he is an alien after all. And, and whereas Ian and Barbara, they're very human, obviously. Um, and, uh, and at first, they're sort of unwilling to, to believe that anything's wrong. But then, you know, sort of things do fall apart a little bit. But um, but yeah, I agree with you again. Um, it would have been, a, I, I think this would have been a great story if we, if there was a sort of, if there was a foe, uh, a monster or, you know, be it physical or, or, or whatever, if there mm. was some kind of thing that you could pin it on, you know, so all these, you know, the little clues that have sprung up and the, the way that they've, they, they act possessed at times and stuff like that. If you could yeah, pin that yeah. on something like, oh, it's a, you know, look at that mysterious looking cloud over there that's sort of, you know, got into mm. their mind sort of thing. But because there's nothing happening and you can't really put your finger on what really's going on, because even the clues that I use very loosely that the TARDIS yeah. has given them is very weird. There's like a clock that does nothing. It just stops, but they will look at it like it's some crazy... It's really unclear. It's supposed to have melted. Support, and I did, well, it, it's not, yeah, it, it doesn't, it's not shown very clearly, is it, on screen? Because I didn't know why they're all, they look at, a, it's quite funny, really, isn't it, that scene? Unintentionally, they look at the clock, they all go, ah, and start fainting. And, like, and I'm like, what? What's wrong with the clock? It's because it's supposed to have melted, but it's it's not very clear. Not really. Uh, yeah. No. So, yeah, and the other clue, I mean, the other thing, I don't really know what the other clues are, are there? There's, there's that, and then there's the... Um, the fact that the the scanner's showing just photographs of of previous journeys and previous, stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's also the um, oh, I can't even remember now. Anyway, 
the, the clues, like I said, are very loose, you know. I mean, Barbara's an absolute, you know, Sherlock <laughs> Holmes for piecing all them together and then coming up yeah. with, you know, whatever's going on. But, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. The, the, scene, the scene with Susan and the scissors is genuinely unsettling, isn't it? I mean, I, again, I, I don't know quite what the reason is for some of the behaviour in this. Because uh, I, I quite like the fact we get a, a clear distinction between the Doctor and Susan and, and uh, William... Uh, Ian and Barbara, because, you know, they, we see the sort of alien and human sides to both in this, don't we? Mm. But like, yeah, the scene where she gets the scissors is quite, for for the time, quite shocking, I think. And and even more so when Barbara goes back in the room and you know that she's still got them. And you're like, what's she going to do? Because mm. she's quite good at being... Uh, unsettling i she think is. susan yeah. when she's in yeah, um caroline ford i mean when she's you know playing it like that because you know in the end barbara's just like susan give me those scissors and you're like oh my god this is quite like you know because they're such a horrible big old pair of 60s scissors aren't they and i know that you know i think this was the first time it wasn't it that doctor who or one of the first times got in trouble like big time from from the big chiefs at BBC, That's correct. Um, they weren't yeah. happy about about mm -hmm. this at all because they considered it very much a children's program mm -hmm. uh, at this point. And they, you know, if you watch the little documentary on the on the DVD um, with uh, Verity Lambert, you know, she talks about it, doesn't she? Saying that you know she she thinks she got it wrong and she should have you know altered that scene mm -hmm. because it is too much. Um, I mean, she doesn't. It's funny because Susan she grabs scissors. And she does like a frenzied attack on a chair in front of Ian. And then later on, she's kind of gotten concealed and possibly is going to stab Barbara. So it's quite, <laughs> it's quite sinister. But, you know, the way it's done is, is quite raw, I think, on screen, which makes it even more uh, horrific for the time, as I say, you know, for the you time. Know, yeah, for the yeah. time. Um, but again, it adds, you know, watching as a viewer in this day and age, it, to me, I found it quite uh, intense. You know, it brings quite a lot of atmosphere to the episode because... One of the weird things with it, because the TARDIS has just stopped, there's no sound effects or anything. So <laughs> there's almost this unsettling silence, which makes it almost feel like a stage play, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Like they're all reading the lines, but there's absolutely no atmosphere in terms of like sound effects or, or added in, you know, um, stuff like that. So, I mean, we do get some bits of stock music or, or music or whatever, which creates some nice moments. But, you know, for the majority, it's just like a hiss of the studio floor, isn't it? Which is, again, quite unsettling. It's all sort of done with mood lighting and stuff like that, isn't it, really? To create this weird atmosphere. It's funny you should mention that. That's what the one, one of the main things that I've got in my note, like the first thing that I've wrote in capitals mm. is it feels like a play rather yeah. than a, a TV. It's, it's almost like somebody's turned up at the theatre with a camera. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Rather than... Um, you know, a TV studio because it does have, there's nothing going on. It's just, you know, the TARDIS set and they're wandering around and from, you know, room to room. And it's mainly dialogue. It's definitely a character building piece for sure. It's definitely that, mm. you know, that exploration from the doctor and, and Susan's side. Uh, like you said, them getting to know Ian and Barbara and vice versa as well. And we get to know a little bit more about the doctor and what sort of, the way he thinks, you know, when there's a crisis mm. and, you know, cause he does get, everyone gets a bit flappy, you know, they don't know what's going on, mm -hmm. you know, they get a bit nervous and yeah. So it, it doesn't, it definitely feels like a play. It would make a good play. You know, if you went to the theater and saw this, it'd be very good. Mm. Uh, it just doesn't feel like a TV show at all. 
No, actually, it's interesting you, you called it a character piece there because that's um, yeah, it is, isn't it? And I think that's what I think that's one of the reasons I like it, even though it's got quite a few issues with the script and stuff, is that it does feel totally different. Mm. Um, it feels like a real little odd little two-parter um and it does feel like a character piece like we get to see all these different sides of of our of our tardis team Mm -hmm. um and i really like that i think it's one of one of the reasons i like it um despite all its all its faults if you like um it's just yeah it's just a strange little watch but so interesting at the same time it is it's an oddball like we said isn't it it's very unique this one it is unique did you feel like because you said earlier that it's directed so episode one's directed um by um, Richard Martin and episode two, Frank Cox. Did you notice or feel any difference in the direction? Yes, I did. Which did you think was better? Uh, the second one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't know why. It's, it seems to... I, I think it's just more a case of the, the, the time between conversations and dialogue is a little bit less in episode two. It seems to move forward yeah. a, a little bit more, as you would expect, whereas the first episode is really... It's got these long, drawn-out shots of stuff, you know. So when somebody's finished speaking, the camera will like, you know, because we have those really early Hartnell things where the cameraman's sort of moving the camera a little bit while they're talking. It's a Mm. bit, um, not amateur, but it's a little bit, uh, you know, the cameraman obviously didn't really put 100% love into it. They're just like, whatever. Um, I found episode one very stilted, I have to say, in terms of the direction. Like you said, it felt even more like watching a play, Mm. uh, episode one. I mean, yeah, episode two just picks up a little bit more in pace as well, I think. Mm -hmm. It does, yeah. But in the first episode, when somebody's finished talking, the the camera will then sort of slowly pan a little bit to something and it will sort of stay on it for a few seconds and Mm. nothing will happen. You know, there'll just be that pause where nothing's going on at all. No one's talking nothing's happening and then somebody will come in and like Ian will come in and say something, Yeah, you know, and then it will happen again. He'll stop talking and then the the camera will change for sort of five, six seconds with nothing. And then, you know, whereas episode two doesn't have that as much, hardly at all. In fact, I know Um, exactly what you mean. Yeah. No, I thought the same thing. Yeah. So it definitely picks up a bit, but then it's just that ending. That's what lets down episode two because it picks up a little Mm -hmm. bit and then, out of nowhere, Barbara's like, oh yeah, I've just figured it out. It's, it's this. And then we have the, uh, the infamous, uh, fast return switch, which has got a bit of a Sharpie <laughs> label. Someone's yeah. wearing it in a, in a marker, you know, uh, that's uh, weird, isn't it? Because I mean, it's, I, it's clearly, I, we would assume there, so William Hartnell knows which switch, <laughs> you know, uh, to use, yes, but yeah. it's as if they forgot to wipe off. I think they say in the, in the baking or don't they, 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 they just probably assume that that wouldn't be shown on screen or whatever. So it's a bit of a, you know, it's a strange. <laughs> yeah. Carol Ann Ford did say that in some, in some, uh, blocks of recording, they would write labels on the TARDIS so they know mm. which switch you know for consistency what switches did what and she just assumed that prior to the cameras rolling that they would be you know sorted out you know they you know the production designer or the producer or whoever's in charge of that stuff the floor manager whatever would have take would have would have done a walkthrough and said oh we can't have the labels but you know this is early Doctor Who you know that stuff didn't happen it's yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I quite like the fact it's there, but every time I see it, it's so glaringly obvious. It's like, that's supposed to be written there in great <laughs> big bold black letters, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit weird, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, it's just that ending. It's just the whole, oh, there's a spring that's stuck. Can you see here, child? Look, 
look, <laughs> and then he fixes it, and then everything's cool, dandy. You know, yeah, yes. Yeah, so. The one thing I do like though, because we we get that sort of naff ending, but we do have this really nice moment between the Doctor and Barbara at the end, where yeah, she's obviously very cut up still that you know he's insulted her and Ian quite a lot, and he's threatened to throw them off and. So she's taking it quite badly, but that's that lovely little moment at the end where he makes her smile and they go out for a little walk. And really I was nice. going to say that yeah. that brought my score up because the, when we got to the resolution, I was thinking about what I might score this. And I was sort of, you know, I won't give it away now, but I was thinking, yeah, this is a. And then we get that lovely scene with with the Doctor and Barbara, you know, just afterwards, and it is such a nice scene, and they are both so good in it that it does bring the score up because it does bring the story around. It gives it another element rather than just being, well, that's that all done. Then let's move on to next adventure. It, you know, it shows that we're dealing with nice, you know, rounded characters. The doctor realizes that he's, you know, been too harsh and he owes her an apology and it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. And, and I like the fact that it, that the doctor, cause you know, the doctor is sort of famous for not really enjoying apologizing to people you know it's yeah. one of his sort of character traits across many of the doctor's incarnations but i don't know this does seem like a genuine moment where the, the doctor just comes in by himself because in another another world it could have been a case of you know because ian does have a bit of a pop at him and says you know you should apologize yeah. to her and he seems quite obstinate you know he's not going to do mm. that but then with nobody around he sort of goes in and they have that little moment it's quite nice yeah, and it's good because we need moments like that because, you know, otherwise you'd be thinking to yourself, well, why do Ian and Barbara travel with him when he's like this? And then it just shows that, you know, the Doctor might be alien, he might be a bit harsh and crockety and all that, <laughs> but he has got this warm side to him as yeah. well, you know, which Barbara can see, you know, he's not all bad, he's, you know, he has got a good side to him. And it's an important scene, I think, especially so early on in the series you know, uh, when, when these characters are getting to know each other. So I, I love that bit at the end. Mm. I just think it's, it's beautifully acted by both of them. It's such a, a nice, tender little moment at the end of this really bizarre yeah, yeah. story, you know. No, it's nice. Really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it kind of resets the whole thing, doesn't it? Like, you know, we've had Capaldi say it before, like the old gang's back together. You know, it's that, it yeah. has that feeling about it where they're, it's all forgotten, you know, we've all got, it's a bit like a hangover. You know, we've all got thick heads a little bit. You know, mm. we, we all had a drink, but it's all good now. <laughs> you know, everything's yeah. fine. Um, and then we're off, and then we look forward to the next adventure, which uh, unfortunately we can't see. So the next one for us would be the Keys of Marinus, and that's uh, an interesting sixth part of that one. Um, was it? I thought it was Marco Polo next. Yeah, but they're all lost, aren't they? Oh, I see. I mean, the next one we can see is... That's what I mean. Me. Yeah, yeah, yes, so, I'm with you. Sorry, yeah. So yeah. We, yeah, I mean, it would be great to go into to Marco Polo, but yeah. So, mm. um, but yeah, so it's a very nice little isolated, unique story. That's, you know, a well acted for me, for the most part, a bit creepy, a bit sinister, um, mm. a little bit naff in certain places, a little bit rough around the edges. But like I said, you can't really bash it too much because the circumstances under which it came about, you know, you can absolutely understand, you know, someone mm. said to Russ, even someone, you know, like the, the very able and, you know, amazing showrunners like RTD and Moffat, even if you went to them and said, you know, knock me up in story in two days, you know, they'd turn white as a ghost. Mm. I can't do that. I can't do two days. You must be joking. 
Yeah, so, two um, days, you've got no budget and you can only use the primary cast. Go. It's it, like, uh, right. Um, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the circumstances which came about, you have to have a little bit of understanding and a bit more of a, a leeway about the, sort of the critique. But mm. it's definitely, a, it's, I wouldn't say it's an enjoyable watch. I think that's the wrong word. It's definitely an interesting watch and a, you know, a, I don't, yeah. I wouldn't say that I watch it and I thought, because when I, I've seen it twice now and each time I've watched it, I don't sit there thinking, wow, I'm loving this. I'm really enjoying Doctor Who. But on the same hand, I'm not thinking, well, this is, you know, I'm going to turn this off in a minute. It's not that, mm. you know, it's not like that either. It's kind of a, I'm definitely a sort of on the fence person about it. That's for sure. Mm. It's an, yeah. it's a, it's an intriguing watch. I mean, when I'm watching it, I, uh, I, I know there are moments that I'm waiting for. I think it's one of those over the two parts. I'm thinking uh, the bit where the scissors is coming up in a minute, you know, or, yeah. uh, or the bit where they go mad over the melted clocks coming up. I always find that funny because it's just so ridiculous. And then of course I always wait for the, the scene at the end. Cause I just love it. You know, Hartnell apologizing to Barbara and yeah, you know, I love that end bit. So there's all, there's moments in it that I'm just waiting for, but yeah, the oh. bits in between, I'm just thinking, well, this is mad. This is bonkers. Um, you know, and, I, and then there's a, there is another shot as well. I love it of caroline ford with her crazy hair and this music kicks in you must know the bit i mean she just appears at the door and it's like dun, dun. she just looks like she's about to really <laughs> yeah. like she's gonna murder the whole crew or something it's bizarre um so there's you know there's loads of little moments in it that i love but yeah boy it's a strange one it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the one that you you put on to introduce people to william hartnell's doctor would it oh it no, just, no you know it's it's a very much uh for a fan one but as i said in terms of the actual flow of the series it's uh i think it's quite a good one to have as the third story just in terms of bringing the cast together and, and yeah, them getting yeah. to know each other all trapped in the tardis you know in terms of that it's quite interesting i think um and uh, you know i'm gonna take my hat off to hartnell because although he fluffs a lot of lines in this um especially when he's arguing barbara um he does get this really long speech at the end uh, which I think he delivers mm. brilliantly, and he doesn't fluff it at all. Yes, uh, it's the yes. bit where he sort of turns around and he's got his back to the console, um, and he delivers this beautiful speech, and uh, and he and he delivers it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I know there are a few fluffs in this um, from Hartnell. <laughs> yeah. uh, there is one bit where he, he he really does it bad, but but you know, the moments like that, I think he absolutely shines, and he he's great at being, like I said, this sort of quite. You just never quite know with him. You just yeah, never quite yeah. know with Hartnell's Doctor. And I love that. He's unpredictable. He could be your best friend one minute, bringing you, you know, a cup of a slice of cake from the TARDIS food machine. And then the next minute it could be saying, you're a traitor. And he's going to throw you off the ship. You just, <laughs> you just never know. Yes. And I love that about Hartnell's Doctor. Yes. Now I was going to mention that the, um, I counted six line fluffs right. in just this little two-parter. Yeah, um, a, yeah, there is, yeah, but that speech at the end where it's a couple of minutes right. worth of him just on mm. his own not one mistake the whole no i know perfect yeah it is perfect yeah and he, when he saw that i think he must have been like blimey how am i gonna do that you know he probably he yeah i'm surprised he didn't give it to ian or someone to uh, to um william russell to read because they did used to share lines and stuff didn't they but yeah. or just hold know. it up on a big card out of shot yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, he does it brilliantly. I, I love that end little speech as well. I think it's really nice. Yeah. No, Hartnell's definitely very good in it. I will say mm. that. You know, classic good Hartnell. 
Yeah. I thought Susan, I thought Caroline Ford was okay in it as well because for me the standout person is is Hartnell and I think um, uh, Jacqueline here was Barbara. They they oh, both said that was really yep. strong. Mm-hmm. William Russell's good, but unfortunately he spends a lot of time on the floor or being <laughs> dazed, and you know. And Caroline Ford, I actually think, does a really good job of being quite odd. You know, uh, her performance is, is odd, but I, in, in, I mean it in a good way. I think she's quite unnerving in her scenes and she looks possessed. She's creepy. You know, yeah. so I think she's quite good in it as well. So, you know, again, this brings the score up a little bit for me in terms of the cast. I think do a great job of what they're given overall. Yeah. No, I agree. Yes. Um, okay. I really haven't got much more to say on it. To be no, honest no, with you. I haven't either really. No. Um, it is a strange little two-parter. It's definitely, uh, as Adam said, if you're introducing friends to, to Hartnell, probably don't stick this one on, but maybe put that in your back pocket if you want to throw a curveball on a Saturday night over cocktails. Um, hmm. See how that goes down. But um, yeah, let's get, let's get on scores. Right. Okay. Whose turn is it to go first? I think it's you. I think it's me, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think so. it's me. Yeah, yeah um, I'm going to give it... A, uh, actually, I wish you were going first, because I'm struggling <laughs> a little bit. I'm, hover, I'm hovering around... I'm going to go 6.5 out of 10. Um, I'm hovering around a sort of 6, but 6.5. I'm going to put 0.5 on for the scene at the end, which I think is, is beautiful, between the Doctor and Barbara. So 6.5 for me. Okay, I'm, I'm going with a 5.5. Okay, yeah, I thought you might, yeah. Yeah, because I'm on the fence with it, Mm. You know, but there's also that little point five is for um, the the sort of interesting nature of it and the uniqueness, and also um, for the Doctor and Barbara. I think they, yeah. like you said, they're they're really good together in it. And if if anyone's listening to this that hasn't seen it. Um, don't be put off by it. As I said, it's not one to, to go in if you haven't seen much Classic Who. But if you've seen quite a bit of Classic Who and you've seen a bit of Hartnell, but you haven't seen this, definitely give it a watch because mm. it really has got some good stuff in there. And it is, you know, uh, it is interesting in a good way. It's, you know, it's not like when we say, oh, interesting because something's bad. It is genuinely an interesting little odd two-parter so it's definitely worth a watch isn't it but absolutely you know yeah. don't don't be put off by it, but it just be prepared it's it's an, an odd one <laughs> yeah. okie dokie what did our beautiful listeners think mm. uh, let's kick off with some audio clips first one is loopy loo a wonderful piece of theater and i mean that in the truest complimentary sense for they weren't theatrical at all they were brilliant if you view this as a theater piece rather than a tv episode it's genius except for the lazy switch explanation at the end, which doesn't explain why they were all acting oddly. Such a letdown at the end. I give this 6.5 out of 10. 6.5. Oh, agreeing with me there, Lou. Great yeah. minds. Great cool. minds. Uh, let's continue with George Puddy. Hello, Garen Adams. So, the edge of destruction. I'm kind of split on this, because while I love the brink of disaster, I'm undecided on the edge of destruction edge of destruction but the edge of destruction is boring um in my opinion i feel like it's kind of a classic version of the uh 10th doctor story midnight but not done as good with fewer characters and just setting the tardis they don't explore the tardis you know the brink of disaster is another story i love the friction in the tardis between the characters the acting is outstanding from every single one of the original TARDIS team, especially Hartnell, and even though the way it is resolved 
is a bit um, of a cop-out. I just love the Doctor's uh, relationship with all of the characters. I think it's a really nice uh, character piece on this whole TARDIS team and the relationship. I love the end as well, how you see the Doctor's actually formed a really nice relationship with Barbara and Ian and made up for what they did. Um, so while I don't really like the edge of destruction, I do love the brink of disaster. I'm gonna give this episode a 6.5 out of 10. See you guys next week. Cool. Another 6.5. Well, that makes me feel better then, because I thought I'd gone too high on it. That's good. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Let's crack on with Owen Daly. Hey guys, hope you're both well and enjoying the show this week. So, Edge of Destruction, this two-part story from the early days of Doctor Who. Um, I've got to say I'm split 50-50 on this one. The first half, part one, I'm not a huge fan of. I think the characters act a little bit too weird, especially Susan. And it just feels a bit out of place and I don't feel like much enough is going on to keep my attention and it is a real slog. However, part two I think is very interesting and I can enjoy a lot as it adds a bit more to the story and I feel like maybe the story... Should things have gone to plan, be one part, but I understand the circumstances of why it was made, so it was more of a filler episode, and I guess it did its job of being a filler episode. The solution was a bit simple with the whole spring, but I guess it was a satisfying enough conclusion. So overall, I'm very split on this episode, so I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Cheers, Owen. 5. 5. 5. Cheers, mate. Uh, Sammy Satine from Down Under. G'day, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, The Edge of Destruction, what a nice short little story. The TARDIS goes a bit haywire, all because of the little spring in one switch. Great idea to set the whole story on the TARDIS. Loved how the Doctor apologised to Barbara. I also loved the genuine affection between him and Susan. Everyone always says the first Doctor is so grumpy. I think he's sweet. Yes, he's quick to place blame elsewhere, but the other incarnations have done that too. He's cheeky and sneaky and sweet. Ten out of ten for being sweet. See ya. Thank you very much, Sammy. Ten out of ten. Good stuff. Um, And lastly, this is Lewis Palmer. Hello to the Bigby Box podcast. The Edge of Destruction. I really like this. I really like this a lot. It's a very important story in Doctor Who, actually, because it's the first time the Doctor really mellows, gets to know his companions better. It's a really a character-driven story. It's definitely there to develop the characters a bit more. And it's really, yeah, the first time that the Doctor begins to like his companions... And we have a really nice scene at the end there with uh, with Barbara, who's understandably very annoyed. Uh, <laughs> understandably so, because the Doctor really treats him like garbage in this story. But he apologises, and they and they walk out together, uh, arm in arm, and uh, it's it's a really sweet scene. It's really nicely performed by Hartnell and Jacqueline Hill, and it's it, it's it's yeah, it's it's really sweet and really nice, and and and. There's a lot of points to that over this story. It's um, it's very fun. I I return to it often. It's uh, it's a cool concept, and uh, yeah, Hartnell's having a blast. So yeah, uh, eight out of ten, I think. Uh, see you next time, guys. And eight. I you know I thought Lewis would like this one. I yeah. had a feeling you would. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I forgot to do the Twitter poll. Very sorry. Oh yes. Uh, so I'm going to go to Facebook though. Had a few on there. So Ryan McGiven. So he finds a story good until he realises all this weird psychological horror all comes from a loose spring. Couldn't the TARDIS just show a sign on the scanner saying faulty button, please repair? 
Would have been easier. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jamie Ackley said, uh, what an odd one. Uh, it would be far more watchable if Caroline Ford had been given some direction to tone down the performance. Uh, gives it a four out of ten. Uh, Miles McKenzie says a bit of a weird one, 5.5. Uh, Jonathan Taylor says it's all right considering the circumstances. Uh, just seems to be a lot of faffing around and a silly resolution gives it a five. Mm. Uh, Joseph Howarth says, um, what the hell did I just watch? Ooh. <laughs> uh, it's quite a long review from Joseph, um, but uh, he just gives it a four out of 10 at the end. Oh dear. Uh, Jeff Waddle says it's not bad considering it's a last minute fill in. Uh, there's a good story in there, but let down by the resolution of the stuck spring. And uh, <laughs> and never speak of the stenciled words on the console again. No. Uh, gave it a six. And lastly, Lee Craddock says, episode uh, is the best of the first series. He loves really? the relationships. It kind of reminds me of 12 and Clara. Jacqueline Ooh. Hill is the star of this one and the strongest stories for her. William Russell is funny. Fourth favorite overall and first favorite of the classic series. Wow. I mean, do you know, it still feels like someone sticks a pin in a voodoo doll every time someone mentions Clara. Ugh. I don't know why, I always get like this twang yeah. every time, even now. Did you have anything on the Geek's Handbook? Geek's Handbook. <laughs> the Geek's Handbook. Crikey. The Geek's, Geek's Handbag. Is, that's the one. I did get a couple, yeah. So Alex, uh, I will forgive me, I can't say his name. No, I'm going to I'm gonna try. Alex Kafatazuglulula. That's the one. He says, first time I ever saw this was when it was on the satellite station BSB. I remember that. Uh, they showed it's part of the 35th celebration weekend. Um, they showed the two episodes the wrong way round, he says, and I didn't even notice. Um, didn't make much more sense, so he gives it a 6 out of 10. Interesting. But imagine watching it the wrong way round. Uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> 6 out of 10 from Alex. Uh, Bradley Willard, despite the budget limitations i've always found this two-parter to be quite an enjoyable story allowing the main cast to really flex their muscles and show how good they are as actors bradley gives it a seven out of ten charlie turner oh now we know charlie can be controversial what's he saying this week a fun two-parter he says i like it although it's by all means um as eccleston would say fantastic uh can't think of anything else to say about it really it's a eight out of ten so charlie likes it yeah uh jason howell says um oh no the epic dalek story costs us too much what can we do a cheap story tense dramatic tardis base not the best story but not the worst zach jenkins often overlooked but a great two-parter i feel that this is when the characters start to come into their own he says he gives it a seven out of ten uh, Dean Jones, a real oddity of the series' early days, but the performances were very good across the board, and it's quite unique, especially for the time. The biggest problem is the resolution to the story just by fixing a switch, which felt like a cop-out and slightly undermines everything that happens with the story and the characters. But he says it's a decent watch and gives it a 7 out of 10. Kevin Mullen, quite good, self-contained two-parter, tight script with lots of dice characters. Uh, that allow the cast to develop somewhat forgotten because of the success of the Daleks and the Edge of Destruction gets a well-deserved 9.5 out of 10 from Kevin. And finally, Aaron Ball says, I love this story. Set after the Daleks, something is up with the TARDIS. And what can I say? The atmosphere is very creepy and it's quite strange seeing these characters act the way they do. A great little two-parter and very underrated, says Aaron. He gives it 8.5 out of 10. Cool. Ooh, so quite a lot of positivity, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. there's some decent scores in there for this one. I assumed Ooh. most of them would be middle of the road to lowish. Yeah, I did as well, yeah. But there you go. Can't underestimate Who fans. No, I quite like that people enjoy it, though. Mm. Yeah. No, it's good. Yes. I mean, it's good that people enjoy it. I mean, 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so very decent scores there. 5.5 from me, 6.5 from old ads. <laughs> uh, nothing to talk about next week. As I said earlier, there is no review next week. It's just going to be a slightly shorter show from yours truly. Um, so the next story that we'll ask for your thoughts on won't be till the first week of January and it will be for twice upon a time. That will be the, the Crimbo special. I'm so looking forward to hearing what people think of it. Like I can't wait to see if the, re- you know, the reaction, yes. see it, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Uh, right. I think we're going to do there for one, six, eight. Okie dokie. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening to 168. It's been awesome going through all of the news and the merch and our rundown of the Sharder event. That was so cool. Oh, that was excellent. So good. Um, congratulations, uh, our competition winner, uh, Jake, Jake Bamford-Elston. We're going to get in contact with you shortly and arrange the uh, delivery of your stuff. So that's all good. Well done. Thank you very much, everybody that's entered. Uh, overwhelming, really. So many entries. Um, mm. It's very, very cool. Uh, and also, thank you for sending in your thoughts and reviews for Edge of Destruction. Yeah. It's an interesting little one to speak and talk through. Um, and as I said, nothing coming up in the next few weeks for reviews. So you can have a break. You don't have to record stuff and worry about watching and getting stuff in. Um, but do keep your eye out on social media because we will be doing a, I think I might do a bit of a Q&A next week yeah um, and a, a, some other little bits but it'll be a, definitely a much shorter show uh, so that'll be cool um, so yeah anything you want to say Adam before your last show of the no, year I, yes there is I'm, I want to wish everyone I know it's a bit early but because this is the last time before before Christmas uh, just Merry Christmas everyone have a fantastic time enjoy Twice Upon a Time and uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you all in the new year. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice, mate, nice. Yeah, so we wish Adam uh, happy travels, safe travels, uh, have a, a cool time wherever you are, mate. Eating noodles or steamed <laughs> dumplings or any of that cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, in the meantime www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk all the previous shows on there plus you can link off to the social stuff and also on iTunes now on Spotify all the podcast networks yeah, Spotify. give us a sub on there and if you could give us a review and a rating that would be awesome and also check out Adam's channel The Geek's Handbag yes Chris, oh, there'll be a Christmas video out today awesome when you, if you're listening to this on day of release yes which I'm very pleased with actually so go and have a look at that good Check out Adam's channel, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Give him a subscribe and a follow and all that malarkey. (laughs) Until next week, my name's Gary. (laughs) My name's Adam. And remember... Let's let's do it. Uh...